Welcome to Hannah's Heart. So Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. No matter who we are, we can be inspired by the fact that Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her. So when she was praying at the temple, she had been weeping and not eating and her lips were moving, but her eyes were closed and the priest was like, why are you drunk at the temple? Because <laughs> yeah. it can become an obsession when you want Wanting a child so deeply. And desiring that baby and to be a mama. Every holiday, every Mother's Day. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome. But this is a show that says, however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hello, I'm Kendra, and you are listening to Hannah's Heart on American Family Radio. And today I am super excited because we are joined with a special guest that I have been looking forward to having on our program for so many weeks. His name is Mark Mellinger, and he is the Marketing and Development Director at the National Embryo Donation Center in Knoxville, Tennessee. So Mark, welcome to Hannah's Heart. Glad to have you with us. Kendra, good to be with you. Thank you. So um, we absolutely love what you do um, and your passion, and um, it's such a creative thing. A lot of people have never even heard of embryo adoption. So let's start from the very beginning. What is embryo adoption? Well, I think the best thing to say about it right off the bat, what helps people visualize the essence of it is uh, it's it's the way to become pregnant with your adopted child and there's there's a lot more to unpack beyond that but that's that's the that's the first best way to sort of introduce people to the concept of embryo adoption is is it is the way to become pregnant with your adopted child now to take a step back, a few steps back, um, the NEDC, what we were really created for was as a response to some of the ethical dilemmas that IVF had presented. There were, back in the late 90s, a lot of families were doing in vitro fertilization, families who, who could not have babies on their own. And what would happen is generally in IVF, more embryos were created than the couples would use. Let's say that a couple developed 12 embryos with their physician, but they only wanted two children. Maybe they uh, used up uh crude way to put it, but it's just, you know, I can't think of a, of a better term. They, they went through five embryos to get their two children. They would have their two. So there, there you go. They have their two children. That's all they wanted to build their family. Uh, so in this particular, for instance, you would have seven embryos remaining. And for the, for that couple, you know, the dilemma is, is gee, we, we have these embryos left and we aren't planning to use them to build our family. We have the two children that we want. So, so what do we do with with these embryos? Um, and, and you know, we believe, just as an aside, Kendra, as, as I know you do, that these embryos are the tiniest human lives. They're God's Absolutely. smallest image bearers, right? I mean, if you you believe life begins at conception, um, then life has begun. For Whether it's embryos, in a Petri dish or not, it's life, and it's, it's developing. 
That's right. It's it's developing life at at the embryonic stage. So for a couple in in that particular predicament, I mean, their options were really not good. Uh, you could either donate the embryos to scientific research, which means the embryos will be snuffed out, so mm. there are lives gone mm. in God's economy. Another option uh, would be to just discard the embryos, which obviously Again. also robs them of life. Or the third option that these couples were faced with was just to keep them in frozen storage sort of indefinitely, which is really not making a decision at all and is just going to cost them generally seven, you know, several hundred dollars per year. Uh, that's the frozen storage fee that they would pay, I guess, in perpetuity for as long as they wanted to keep the embryos frozen. So, um, so uh, the CEO of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations uh, at the time, Dr. David Stevens, realized that these three options were were not good. Uh, none of them w- was was good in God's eyes. None w- was morally satisfying. So, uh, so so he you know he said what we need to do is create some organization where we can take these embryos that are remaining from IVF and find other loving families who will adopt these embryos and use them to build their own families. And so that's that's how the NEDC was started. Uh, Dr. Stevens was able to connect with Dr. Jeffrey Keenan, who is the president and medical director of our organization. Uh, he, he helped co-found this organization all those years ago with Dr. Stevens, and he's still our president and medical director today. And uh, God has just really grown the work of the NEDC since then, we build the whole operation around the sanctity and dignity of, of the human embryo. Mm-hmm. We love that we are able to help these couples who have uh, created the embryos through IVF. We're able to, uh, to give them some closure and absolve them of any moral difficulties that were, that were going on in their hearts and minds. We love that we are able to help other couples build their families with these tiny lives. And and most, not all, but, but probably 85 to 90% of uh, the couples who adopt embryos through the NEDC have themselves had some sort of fertility challenge. Mm-hmm. So this can be a great way of building a family and an answer to prayer for these folks. So we love, we love that, how it affects the couples on each side of the equation. But we're really here, uh, first and foremost, for these embryos to protect these lives. And God has blessed the work of the organization in the uh, yeah, close to two decades. Uh, we've been doing embryo transfers. I guess we've been doing embryo transfers for about 17 years. It took a while for things to, to get going in those early years. But God has now blessed us with uh, the births of over uh, 1,100 children. Wow. Through the NEDC's embryo adoption program, that's, that's incredible. That's the most of uh, any embryo adoption program in the world. Which we wow. don't say to brag; we we, we say to, to brag on God because uh, prayer is what has fueled the NEDC, and it mm. is uh, it is His work. So it's a great, great, great 
thing to be a part of. The heart behind that and the, and the desire to, to give life a chance is, is so absolutely beautiful. Um, but let's back up for just a moment and talk about, you gave us the four options that couples who often go through IVF um, are, are faced with if they have extra frozen embryos. Um, just nationwide, can you tell us how, what, what are fertility clinics? Are they overrun with frozen embryos? Is this become a major problem in our country? Yeah, it it is a major problem in in our country, and there are too many frozen embryos uh, out there, uh, and and that is because in in general, the, you know, we and we we don't mince words about about this. Uh, it, you know, it, it's painful to know that this is the truth, but but it is. In general, um, IVF is not practiced in an ethical mm. or morally responsible. You know, it's treated at a lot of fertility clinics, uh, almost like uh, like you're going to the grocery store or to the department store. Uh, it IVF is is often treated as as very transactional. You know, you you if if you're the couple going in to have IVF and build your family that way, uh, often the way a fertility clinic will look at it is okay. You're you're a consumer. You're coming in, mm. you want a product. That product is a happy outcome and, and the birth of a baby. And so we're going to do whatever it takes to maximize the chances of of you having that successful outcome. And unfortunately, you know, there's, there's you know, when they, the, the, the bad part of that is the whatever it takes mm-hmm. part of the statement. And a lot of IVF clinics just don't practice it responsibly, so they they create all these uh, you know extra embryos that mm-hmm. probably do not need, in most cases, to to be created. Almost certainly don't need to be created. And you know these couples, I get it when they're, when they're when they're struggling to have children, they sort of get tunnel vision. All they're thinking of is, I want a baby. I want a baby. I want a baby. Very understandable. I think God's wired most of us that way. But they're not thinking on the front end what's going to happen when these embryos, when when I'm left with more embryos than I ever needed to build my family. So, yeah, you wind up with a lot of frozen embryos. There are some estimates that it's over a million mm. in this country. And, uh, yeah, these are these are tiny lives just on, just on ice. So it, it is. It, it's a problem. And, and it points to the larger problem of the disregard for life with which the fertility general, the fertility industry in general operates. There are notable exceptions for which we're thankful, but they're few and far between. Well, I, I love that you mentioned tunnel vision because I think that's something that as couples, Christian couples that are struggling with infertility, we have to be so careful um, not to place motherhood or fatherhood as an idol in our life that is more important than serving the Lord. And and my husband and I faced that when, when we started our fertility journey. Um, we said, you know what? We have been pro-life our whole life. We cannot change what we believe about life beginning at conception now because it's convenient to believe something different. And that's something that I hope couples um, can 
um, can hear and really let sink into their heart and also realize there are other protocols that are life affirming um, and there are clinics that will be willing to work with you with your values and your beliefs but you do have to opt and hunt them down um, now my husband and I mm-hmm. we, we chose to go through southeastern fertility which you all are associated with um, and, mm-hmm. and the reason we picked them was because of their association with you we said they clearly are willing to value human life so let's let's check them out can you can you tell us about southeastern fertility and what your connection is with them right yeah happy to do it and and right that was how how I got to know you and and Eric uh, at least at first and and southeastern fertility is one of those exceptions in the fertility industry that that I was talking about so that, so they are our medical partners at the NEDC uh, the the way that the arrangement is is that we at the NEDC are co-located with Southeastern Fertility. Um, So we're in the same building. We're under the same roof. So for people who are interested in doing embryo adoption through us, it really does provide one-stop service. Um, You know, they they do processing, the embryo matching, a lot of the administrative type work is done by us at the NEDC, and then when it's time for the frozen embryo transfer to actually be performed, then that is performed by our medical partners mm-hmm. at Southeastern Fertility. So we we work hand in glove. Uh, we we work very well together, but technically we are separate entities. The NEDC is is a faith based nonprofit. Southeastern Fertility is a is a for profit company that is that is run by Christians, uh, but it is not a faith based charity like we are. Correct. Okay. Wonderful. Well, that's a great distinction. Now, um, I, you mentioned earlier the the Christian Medical and Dental Association, and that that your roots are kind of from that. Um, I'm a little bit familiar with them. Love their work, and and they recently um, released a curriculum called Bridging the Gap, that is designed to help churches understand bioethical. Um, concerns, things such as um, issues of abortion and life issues and end-of-life issues, and they put out an incredible free curriculum um, on this, and I saw the um, NEDC in in one of their endnotes, and so they broke down what what I really loved, some some complicated things that as, as believers we get into, well, what will God think about surrogacy or egg donation or sperm donation? And there are so many unique, crazy new technologies that are available mm-hmm. that it's it's helpful to have um, somebody who is a medical professional help break down the ethical ramifications of those. So I just want to ask you, what is the difference between snowflake adoption or embryo adoption and say getting an egg donor or a sperm donor um, as far as ethical concerns that Christians may have? Well, I mean, you know, the, the difference is that the embryo, right, and yeah, and, and to, to the point of your question, people who are struggling, they were having fertility struggles, They'll, they'll go over a lot of options, and um, embryo adoption is going to be different than IVF with an egg donor or a sperm donor. So, so in embryo adoption, uh, you know, basically the embryo is already created. The egg and the sperm have fused; they've come together, 
uh, and they're frozen uh, in, in very early stages. So, so life has begun. Now, uh, that's different. Sometimes people call embryos eggs, and that's, uh, that's confusing to, to, to different things. Um, you know, an, an egg is an egg before it's been fertilized. So a lot, a lot of people, you know, one option with IVF is to use an egg donor or a sperm donor if that half, that particular half of the couple is, is the factor in, in why you're having fertility challenges. So, so let's say, you know, there's a, um, the, the husband in the equation, um, is the one with the fertility struggle. Well, then a lot of fertility centers may present the option of you using a sperm donor with the wife's egg. So, so in other words, it's, it's the wife's genetic material combined with, uh, someone else's who, who she doesn't know someone else's genetic material to create the baby. And of course you can do the exact same thing on the opposite side. If the fertility issue is with the wife, well, then you can use, uh, the husband's sperm, but a stranger's egg. Uh, so that's what egg and sperm donation with IVF is. And um, the reason that, that that appeals to some couples is that uh, you can you can say that at least part of one half of the couple's genetics are in the child. So if that is important to to someone, there's that. Uh, I think the moral and emotional difficulties of it are uh, are many. Immense. Uh, <laughs> yes. Right. I mean. Yes. Yeah. It, well, you know, first first of all, um, I think I'll, it bothers a lot of couples when that option is presented because what about the half of the equation whose genetics won't be mm-hmm. included? What uh, are the emotional impact of this? This child isn't genetically mine, but it is yours. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, so, you know, you know, and, and I mean, not, not to say that there aren't people who parent successfully in those situations there, there are, but you can see how it would be an emotionally complicating yes. factor in it. And, you know, in, in terms of the morality of using uh, an egg donor, a sperm donor, a surrogate, um, I mean, these are, these are not issues that the Bible uh, obviously specifically speaks to, but I do think you have to take a step back and think of what is the motivation behind this? Am I, are we again, commodifying human life? Are are we just getting too utilitarian, um, with, with a delicate process that God created? Um, if, if those options are presented to you and you're encountering fertility challenges, I think you got to really pray about it. I think you got to look at it with a skeptical eye. Um, a lot of egg donors, sperm donors, and surrogates make a lot of money doing mm-hmm. what they do. So the motivation is not, it, it doesn't always create the cleanest situation. And that's just one of the complications. Well, thank you for that distinction. I think that really helps because some people, when they hear embryo adoption, they need to hear the biological differences of how that is different from a sperm donor. Um, and I think there are, um, it's a different set of ethical principles. Going back to the the Christian Medical and Dental Association, um, just to kind of sum up their report, it was 
um, is sperm donation or egg donation um, consistent with a biblical worldview? They say no, but they say that um, embryo adoption and snowflake adoption is A-OK and God-honoring. So just throwing that out there. Um, Well, one more question for you. Um, Tell us about what kind of couples are able to adopt through embryo adoption. What kind of candidates fit both the medical and other requirements that you have? Yeah, at, at, at the NEDC, uh, it needs to be a genetic male and genetic female. Uh, we we live in a day and age where you, where you have to say that you can't. Just, Ooh, you're just gonna say make some people mad with that requirement. <laughs> Ooh, I can hear well, them now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's happened before. I'll I'll just say that we we we've gotten some some feedback. We got you know, and we do we don't want to. Yeah, we're we try to be gracious. We're we're not against anybody, but we're you know just like you guys uh, believe uh, at, at Anna's heart and AFR, we just believe that there are certain lines God has said you don't cross, mm-hmm. and uh, and this is the, you know this is one of them. Uh, in terms of marriage, we believe it's between a man and a woman. So at the NADC, in order to adopt embryos, you do have to be uh, a man and a woman chromosomally, uh, who have been married for at least three years at the time of your frozen embryo transfer. The uh, wife... So you're looking for strong marriages be... that are willing to stick together, huh? Well, that's right. That mm. is, Yeah, that's why our board came up with that requirement. I mean, nothing's guaranteed, that's for sure. But at least if the couple has been married for three years, there's some evidence of stability. It's not just the first year or two, and and you, I'm sure you you well know that divorce statistics mm-hmm. bear out that a lot of marriages that flame out happen in the first couple of years. So yeah, our board feel feels like that's probably a good standard to to keep holding. Uh, the wife uh, needs to be younger than 46 at the time of the frozen embryo transfer, and that's uh, because. We've had medical specialists come up with these rules, and um, you know they just feel like it's in the best interest of the child and the woman mm-hmm. to not try to have a baby um, at, at beyond what's what's really naturally childbearing age in most cases. So that's where the line is on that. Uh, the combined age of the couple uh, cannot be over 100. It can be 100, but it cannot be 101. And that is, again, this is in the child's interest. Uh, We want to do all we reasonably can uh, to ensure that somebody will be there, uh, you know, through the child's hopefully 18th birthday, hopefully longer than that, to to parent the child. Um, Yeah, there are other other requirements as well. Um, The body mass index must be below 40 of the woman who who is having the baby. Um, you, uh, you're not allowed to be obviously, yeah, you have to be clear of substance abuse of any kind Mm. for, for several years that, that must check out. You can't smoke. Um, so those are, those are the main requirements. With every regulation that you mention, I just hear integrity, 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 and that your, your integrity is because you care about life and the life of the child and the mother. With every regulation that you have, you want to, um, give these children the best possible opportunity. And that, that is very clearly seen. Um, now I think also maybe helpful for some families that are listening to this that are considering embryo adoption, um, if there are some medical complications on the woman's side that might prevent 
the pregnancy from being successful, you do also take that into consideration as well. Am I am I correct? You're you're right. Uh, yeah, and and that gets gets to a couple of other things that that I didn't mention that that are requirements. Um, one, one is that that you need to be able to pass a home study, um, you know, done by an approved adoption agency. And again, that's in the uh, child's best interest. Uh, our donors want that. They want to know their, that the embryos who uh, will, will become children, we hope, uh, are going to, to reasonably stable homes. And then, Kendra, to get to what you, what you were uh, talking about, uh, you need to receive uh, medical clearance. So our physicians here will evaluate your history, uh, they will perform a, a saline-infused sonogram and a trial embryo transfer just to evaluate the condition of the womb and, right, spot, uh, first of all, any potential anatomical challenges that could complicate an embryo transfer. Uh, if there are fibroids or polyps that may need to be removed before an embryo transfer can take place, they can find those, and they can find those those very unusual cases, and, you know, sometimes... Uh, it's just reality that, that a woman may have such extreme endometriosis uh, that, that she's just not a good candidate for embryo adoption. Now, that's very, very rare, but if you want to, if, if that's the case, you, you want to find out. So, yeah, there, you know, you do need to be able to pass a home study and receive that medical clearance as well in order to adopt embryos through the NEDC. Well, Mark, thank you so much. We are almost out of time, but I want to take a moment for you to let any of our listeners know how they could get in touch with NEDC if they're interested in embryo adoption or maybe they're interested in donating so that other couples and your your work can continue. Yes, and you can do either side of the equation by visiting us at embryodonation.org. Again, that's embryodonation.org. If you're interested in adoption, you would want to check out the Adoption FAQs page. If you're interested in donation, you would want to check out the Donation FAQs page. That's awesome. Well, Mark, thank you so much. It's so clear to see that you are passionate about this work, that you care about lives. And I know we didn't even get into your personal story, but you and your wife have dedicated your life to be doing this. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for coming on the program today. And a special thanks to our listeners as well for listening to Hannah's Heart on American Family Radio. You can connect with us on our podcast page on AFR.net.